Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt and Shannon. All right, it's episode 94 for March 28th, 2012. On today's show, we're going to cover a bunch of listener emails. Uh, Well, frankly, we ran out of stuff to talk about, so (laughs) it's always good to be able to dip back into that uh, email bag in that little sack and and pick out some questions from people because the bottom line is uh, if you're asking the question, chances are there are hundreds of other people who have that same question, so I think it makes great fodder for the show. Uh, But before we get into all that stuff, Matt, how about you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Okay, as always, there are several different ways you can get a hold of us. If you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion about something you're going to hear in today's show or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode or perhaps you want to be one of those hundreds or thousands who have the same question and you can't seem to funnel yourself in. (laughs) So uh, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180 and you can even Skype us at woodtalkonline and of course you can check out our individual sites at thewoodwhisperer.com at the Renaissance woodworker.com or excuse me at renaissancewoodworker.com i'm sure if you went to the renaissance woodworker you would get to the renaissance woodworker but it not, might not be the same renaissance woodworker we're talking about you know it's kind of funny that way i'm checking right now digits. i'm curious <laughs> if he owns that no nope, there's a different should, person we should totally poach that one no someone already owns it oh they already oh. did oh well in that case somebody is totally anyways or the other one is madsbasementworkshop.com uh, and of course, as always, you can go into the forum at woodtalkonline.com, but don't go to the woodtalkonline.com because you probably <laughs> go someplace completely different. Like if you went to the renaissancewoodworker.com. Exactly. Yeah. So. And I don't own the woodtalkonline. So <laughs> because I already own like 50 domains and accidental typo domains that uh, cost me too much money as it is. Yeah, I've got a couple, too, that I always forget to go back in and redirect those because that's the whole reason why I bought it. <laughs> right, exactly. Because I figured people were going to go to those. So why not buy them because I know people are going to go and then redirect them in my direction. But yeah, that yeah, kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, hey, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's jump right onto our benches and find out what's going on. It looks like I'm the only one that has anything going on according to our list here. You're the only <laughs> one who typed anything. Uh, it's all in my head. I've got it right here. Okay, we'll go ahead and spill it out. I know how it is. Like when I was always cramming for exams, (laughs) it was right there and I needed to get it out immediately. So I'm going to give you that opportunity to spill your guts. Okay, sounds good. Um, And just like my exams, I would leave things to the last minute. So uh, and just wing it. But hey, you know what? Before we even talk about this stuff, we should mention that we are missing one of our uh, regular co-hosts here. And that would be Shannon. Shannon is busy hanging out with his dog. Yep. And a doctor. Alex needed a little extra loving. Yeah. So Alex is at the vet and we had a little miscommunication on the, on the days here. And by miscommunication, I mean, Shannon screwed it up. So, um, (laughs) finally it's not Matt. (laughs) So, uh, so unfortunately, um, Shannon's not here. He may wind up, um, uh, coming in a little bit later, depending on when he gets home, but we are charging forward in our promise to continue to provide you with two episodes a month. We're just going to go for it. So, you know, sadly, I have to say that I think I, I, no offense to Shannon, I didn't notice he was gone because I tend to talk over him. That's true. <laughs> he is usually very quiet in the beginning of the show because it's you and me just running our uh, lips back and forth. So uh, yeah. it's not. It actually wasn't that unusual. But uh, yeah, so Shannon's not here, but well, he'll definitely be here next week, if not a little bit later in the show. Right. So on my workbench, well, you know what? Today was the first day I legitimately went into the shop and actually worked. 
I tried to do it last week. I even went on Facebook and was like, woohoo, I got a shop day today. But let me tell you, when your site is being attacked and someone wants you out of business, and even if you made a video, you can't post it on your website because you're just going to draw more traffic to the problem that you're having, it's a really defeating feeling. So I actually last week went into the shop, had every intention of filming like two or three small like whisper mini type videos. And I just sat there at my computer with my my head on my hand going, I don't feel like doing anything. I, I, <laughs> I Like it was like the most depressing sort of feeling because I couldn't communicate. I can't like if someone took your website away right now and well, you might be thankful. It depends on how, <laughs> how you feel about your website. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it is getting to the point that I am kind of looking at it going, you know, <laughs> like, this is looking really drab. Yeah, and, you know, um, I could be spending more time watching Tabitha Salon takeovers if I wasn't down there trying to come up with new content. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, depending on how you feel about your website, it could be very defeating to suddenly not be able to communicate with, you know, with the community and, and your audience that you've worked hard to build up. So it was a, a kind of a depressing time. But anyway, now the good thing is we've managed to move through things. I don't know that everything is completely resolved at this point. Right. I mean, at any given moment, the uh, attack could ramp up again. Uh, but we've got a fallback plan and everything is in place. We certainly are a little bit more ready for something if, if things were uh, to happen again. But the bottom line is I'm able to put content out and people can actually watch it. Yes. You know, what a novel idea. Like I thought, I, I want to go back to the days when my biggest problem was trying to find inspiration for the show and actually putting it out there. Like, <laughs> you know, where the content was the real challenge, not just keeping the damn website up being the challenge. That's I'm I'm over that. Yeah, the good old days, the golden era, back <laughs> yeah, when right. it was all about content and yeah. not defense. What the heck? So, so yeah, so today I actually did get a legitimate shop day in and started to do some of the finishing touches on the Rubo workbench, put in a couple of the, the holes in the top for the hold fasts. I got that inlaid Wood Whisperer logo thing that um, uh, Rick from the, the guild made for me on a CNC machine, put that on the front of the chop. Um, really started to fine tune some of the things. So I'm, I'm enjoying seeing the bench come to uh, the final stages at this point. So I'm looking forward to making my first project on it. Very nice. Yeah, that The piece that you're just talking about, the whole CNC thing with the logo, when you showed that on, on one of the episodes, I'm like, that is really super sweet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that is just, that's fantastic. And that, that really shows you something that, um, you know, a lot of people, of course, are going to be like, oh, you could just do that with regular inlay. But I like how you you pointed out, you know, eh, not so much. Yeah, it would know? be tricky. It would be a really tricky inlay. I mean, it could be done. Anything could be done. But um, it would be tricky. And I didn't really have the time to, to, to play with it at this stage of the game. So it was nice to have somebody make it for me. It looks perfect and uh, really suits the bench. And I, and I was going to put my initials on it, but I think I'm going to stick with just the logo, you know, because it's just a little bit more interesting to look at. And, and, you know, it, it's just, yeah, you don't want to over, you know, adorn it. You don't want to go like, you know, like that was the problem with like Elizabethan furniture. Oh, my God. I totally messed that up. Like Victorian <laughs> furniture. Yeah. It was too ornate. You know, you don't want to go that route with it. But one thing that you were saying, and I, I think this is true, regardless of whether you have a podcast or not, as you were talking about, like the whole thing with you got down there, you know, like whether it was the video editing or something like that. This feeds into like the whole like concept of like safety and stuff. Like when your mind is so over, you know, worked because you're concerned about something outside of the shop, it's yeah. amazing how it's hard to concentrate enough to do anything. And that was probably for the best for you in the sense of safety or for anybody. Totally. Because, you know, I like, I mean, like, like if you have a family member that's really sick or something, there's always those things that you have 
that you need to get done, whether it's, you know, part of your, your hobby or your business, something like that. And it's so hard to get things done. And then when you come back and you look at it and you're like, wow, what the hell was I thinking? As you were talking about it, I kept, I kept seeing you like do like a pacing back and forth because that's what I tend to do. Yeah. If there's like anything, like my website's slow, you know, not like what you're going through, but with like simply when I get an email, like, dude, your, your website's not loading very fast. I go into this pace panic where yeah, I'm like yeah. going back and forth trying to figure it out. So maybe that's the content you could have put out there was like, you know, 25 minutes of Mark pacing with <laughs> yeah. little thought bubbles. This is actually, yeah, it's, it's uh, in real time. This is what's going on right now. I'm getting nothing done. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to just go in there, focus, get some things done and just get some progress. I mean, I've been working on the bench for a while now, so I'm really anxious to, uh, to finish that off and actually start anything. I, I honestly, am not even really sure what the next project is going to be, but, uh, once my brain has time to get on that stuff, I'll start thinking about it and come up with something good. So, right. So that's about it, man. That's all I've been working on. How about you? Well, the big thing for me is I, I wrapped up the Hawk smoothing plane. Now, I mentioned this before, and, of course, we always have the ongoing thing about, you know, ah, Matt, it takes him forever to do little things, and it's <laughs> yeah. true. It does. It takes me forever to do it. But I was completed with the project before. What I've done now, and this is going to be coming out in the the second video that I'll have on, on my website, is I've actually shaped it. And to me, this is the fun part because this is when you, like, really personalize any project you're working on. It doesn't have to be a hand plane. It could be any particular project, it's when you put those little personalizations in it oh, yeah. that totally make it worth it. So I wrapped that up and it's really nice because now I've got this new toy that I'm playing with constantly. Absolutely love it. And we, we can go into a whole thing about like shop made tools that, you know, <laughs> some people are, are, in fact, actually I, I've gotten one email from somebody and uh, I don't know if he's listening or not, but he kind of like gave me the, why did you choose to use a kit? you should have done this with your scraps and he's absolutely right. I, it's something I could come back and do and maybe we will discuss it at some point, but it's like, sometimes I think these kits are such a great way to get your feet wet, you know, to decide if this is something that you think you could tackle later on down the road, Yeah, you know, and and go from there. So the presentation of a kit sometimes really is encouraging to people who might be, you know, sitting on the fence or, you know, just there, sometimes you need that little bit of a, a push, a little bit of extra encouragement and having this full kit ready to go, including the wood, you know, and everything. Yep. I mean, can you buy those kits separately without the wood? And yeah, you just buy a blade. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I thought there might be no, more to I, I don't the... know. I don't think he does have the plans available, but to be quite honest with you, the, the, the plans are a very basic Krenoff style plane. So I'm sure if you did, you know, a simple search online, it's gotta be something. Yeah. You could easily find, you know, something very much like it. And, and I know they sell several books. In fact, I have a book over my shoulder on, on my bookcase that is all about making, uh, hand planes, wooden hand planes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's like one of like how to make a Philister plane, how to make a chamfer plane, all sorts of things. So again, it's something like now that I, because to be quite honest with you, I've had the book for a while. I know it's something I could do, but having this kit, even for somebody like myself with the experience that I like to say I have, um, <laughs> it, it, it makes me feel just that much more comfortable that like, yeah, idiot, you can actually do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, cool. so that, that, that's, that's pretty neat. And then, um, another thing that I have coming up that I'm, I'm pretty excited about is one thing that we, we tend to, to think about as woodworkers is of course, we want to make all of our furniture from scratch. We want to take the pieces, you know, right from the, the lumber that we pick up from the mill, bring it home, do all our right. milling and do all that type of stuff. But occasionally 
um, I don't, I, maybe this, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but once in a while I like to rehab a piece <laughs> and, and by rehab, I don't necessarily mean like my grandfather was, his big thing was always like restoring like chairs and all this other stuff and sure. taking the finish off and going down and, and, and refinishing them. I guess that's actually the word I was looking for is refinishing. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is, uh, Samantha has this, this buffet that she she found it on the side of the road, actually. <laughs> and she had it in her office for the longest time. And it's a really, it's a neat looking piece. And what we want to do is actually take it and we're going to use that as an entertainment center because we want to get a new TV. And this is going to be like the catalyst to finally like get that new TV because yeah. this is perfect for the size TV we want to get. Cool. And what I want to do is just simply play with the drawers and actually take one drawer out and maybe have put in like some sort of door system where it like swings open and that's where the components will be. We'll uh, play with, uh, there's a couple of doors on the side where we'll pop out the existing panels and maybe put in uh, the panels for speakers or something, right? you know, and, and just kind of go from there and, and more or less play with this piece of furniture that is already existing and repurpose it for something that it was never meant to do. In fact, I have a feeling when this thing was made, the idea of an entertainment center was like, what, <laughs> do you like dance on it? Do you have a TVs, pants on it? Yeah, TVs in, in those days were in their own piece of furniture. <laughs> exactly, yeah, the old consoles that looked like a buffet themselves. Right, so. yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's um, is the piece well-made enough that you can do work to it? Yeah, that that was one thing I, I did. That was that was the first thing I did, like my little recon as I went in. I'm like, all right, let yeah. me take a look at this. Because when she brought it home, we discovered the only thing that was really wrong with it is, number one, it almost looks like the uh, one of the legs somehow was steam bent in the sense that like it, it's, it's kind of warped off to the side. But it's only one leg, so it doesn't make any sense. It's really weird. Like it just got stuck and over years somehow it bent. But... Yeah that doesn't affect its stability. It still stays right in place. You can put weight on it and it's, it's fine. So it's, nice. it's this really weird kind of mutant kind of a look. The other problem was uh, the, the panels or the, the frame for the drawers, there was one that had come loose and it was just a matter of coming back in and uh, applying a little glue. It looked like it had worked itself loose at some point. And that was the reason why the people threw it out because the, well, the drawer kept falling out. Right, you put the yeah. drawer in place and it would drop down. So once I glued that up, I mean, it was it was like practically, you know, I won't say it was a new piece, but it was a decent hand-me-down piece. Right. Well, that's, a, that's very cool. I mean, those projects can be a lot of fun if, if you're working with a, you know, an older piece that actually has some solid wood in it or something you can do something with. It's not all just particle board and plywood. Um, exactly. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's the, the one neat thing for me is that uh, it still has the original manufacturer um, like, uh, I don't want to say paperwork, but tags in it. And it turns out that here in, on the West side of Michigan, Grand Rapids has a long history of having been a, uh, a furniture Mecca at one point. There was a lot of great furniture came out of Grand Rapids. And this happens to be a piece that was produced here in the Grand Rapids area. And so it has a little bit of history and it's one of those, again, it's a nice solid piece that easily could have, could be a hand-me-down piece, you know, a nice yeah. heirloom piece. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of fun to put this out there and cool. it looks just unique enough that um, it's going to fit right in along with every other damn unique piece of furniture. <laughs> <in this house. laughs> unique. That's, that's exactly the right word to use. It's unique. Exactly. Not mismatched. Just like just... the rest of the family. <laughs> <laughs> right. That reminds me, I've actually got uh, a couple of chairs sitting in the shop that I'm uh, procrastinating, but um, they're 
I guess my cousin got them secondhand and they're just falling apart. I mean, the things are completely falling apart. All of the joints are falling apart. Now, nothing is broken, but I guess it's like a complete glue fla uh, failure situation. So um, they kind of brought them home in, in hopes that I would uh, repair them. And I'm looking close at this. It just uh, This is totally off the topic, but it, I'm looking at some of the joints and it just makes me laugh when you think of some of the things, and I've done these myself before I knew anything about woodworking, the things that you do to fix broken furniture <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> before you know anything about it. And I'm looking at some of the repair work. So from what I can see, it looks like they tried to fill all the joints and get them to, to stick together by using that spray foam insulation. Yeah. <laughs> so most of the joints have this stuff all over the place. And I guess they figured, well, it's loose. So what can I do? You know, fill it with something that would expand and hold it together. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm like, wow, this, I, I was going to do like a video on it. And I'm like, I don't know if I could, if I could do this without making fun of it. And I don't know who did that repair, whether my cousin did it or whether it was someone else. So I'm like, I don't want to make fun of my cousin on the internet, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That, that could make for a very uncomfortable family get together. You're like, yeah, hey, I fixed yeah. your chair. Pow. Yeah. That was a nice <laughs> video you put up there, buddy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so that these, these repairs, the thing is, my point is even that being not necessarily repurposing, but it is a, a full on repair. I'm actually looking forward to it. I am procrastinating because I've got a bunch of other things in front of it, but it's uh, it's something that I find fun because it's kind of just a no-brainer uh, sort of repair, you know. Yep. Um, but anyway, that's that's making well, me laugh know, every time I see it. Well, that, that's funny because it was the first thing I thought you were going to say is not so much like a spray foam type of thing, but I we have a restaurant near us that the way that they took care of all their chairs coming apart was they just simply drilled like screws through them, like drywall screws oh, at, no. the, at the joints themselves. Like, and I always like toe-nailing up through. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, you could have at least come up from the bottom to oh, hide it. I mean, geez. they've got it like right up front where you can see it. But I, I, I love little projects like that where, like you said, they're, they're no brainers. And the nice thing is you can knock out a whole bunch of them and you feel like you accomplished a ton. Totally. Yeah. You know what? Hey, pro tip. Now that you just mentioned that when uh, I was doing woodworking purely for a living, no, no podcasting, um, I would go to local restaurants and anyone that I found that had wooden chairs that were wobbly. Like I just went to uh, our local Dave's barbecue and when I, we sat at the bar and the bar stools, I don't know how people haven't fallen on their butt on those things. <laughs> they were just so wobbly. Like, you know what, if I needed the work right now, like if I was absolutely, <laughs> see refinishing is not my, my favorite thing to do, but if I were desperate enough, um, I would totally just give them my business card and say, Hey, if you guys want these things, re you know, repaired, um, charge them 60, 70 bucks a piece and take the whole batch. Uh, I mean, so if you're looking for extra work as a woodworker, think about it, go to your local restaurants and any place that has wobbly chairs, give them a business card. And uh, if you're looking for work, that might be a good way to get some. And here's another tip also, if uh, you do go there and you don't find that they are, go bring out the local college team and have them just mess around in there for a while, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially the, the the whole entire defensive linebackers. Have them all just kind of sit there and suggest they rock back and forth as if it's a rowing motion. And yeah. I guarantee you'll probably get some more business. Yeah, well, and then remind them of the liability if someone falls on one of their chairs, probably not a smart thing. There you go. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to, uh, well, let's go into the around uh, the web. We've got a couple of links that uh, actually you populated. So if you want to jump into those. Okay. Well, the first one, let's let's do the real simple one. At least I think this one's kind of simple. I think at this point, if you're listening to the show, there's probably a very good chance that you are listening on some sort of device, say like uh, an iPad or an iPod or an iPhone or something or mm -hmm. some sort of MP3 player. This particular, we've talked about... Um, 
apps before, especially for the iPhone and the iPad. There's several out there. I think there's even a couple for the, is it the Wood Whisperer or the, the Wood Whisperer? <laughs> the, 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 the Wood Whisperer.com. Yeah, that one. Anyway, <laughs> so it was, there's, a, there's several apps out there, and I'm always coming across a few that I think are something that I would either use for my podcast or for you know woodworking in general. And one that I've had for a while now, and I just discovered this, and I hope it's not simply – well, anyways, let me describe it first. It's the PBS iPad app. And the neat thing about this is a lot of the the channels out there now, like ABC, NBC, all these ones, they're coming out with their own apps where obviously the big thing about this is you get to watch their shows with very limited commercials, if any commercials at all. And typically, uh, usually they're free at the most. Again, you have to kind of sit through a commercial or something like that. PBS has come out with an iPad app. And on my particular one, and I'm starting to wonder now, I was trying to figure out if this was the case before I came on here, and I hope I don't mess everybody up. But... Um, it looks like it's, it's kind of linked to a, uh, a local PBS station near you, and they have full episodes of all their shows. Now, what I'm getting at here is the most recent thing that popped up on mine is once I got through all of my episodes of Downton Abbey, and I'm now moving on to <laughs> uh, the Charles Dickens uh, series, um, I tend to have an opportunity to watch full episodes of The Woodwright Shop. And I know there's a lot of nice. uh, Roy Underhill fans out there. And the nice thing is, this is really good. They are full-on episodes. There's no commercials during them. It's the typical, you know, run before and suggest that you make some sort of donation or something. And these are new ones. These aren't the vintage ones. These are newer ones. So nice. that's pretty neat because, I mean, I know that there, we've already talked before about being able to go to, I think, the UNC website or something and and watch uh, some of the older episodes. But here, like right now, I thir- I currently have 13 full-length episodes, and they include, like, a couple from, like, Steve Lotta doing inlaid lettering. And just quite a few I've noticed with Peter Follinsby, like one was on uh, um, Swedish Spoons and then – now that uh, Lost Art Press has recently had their stool out of a tree come out, um, that, that recent book that they're releasing, right. uh, uh, Peter Follinsby actually makes an appearance on the show, and he's discussing pretty much everything that they're talking about in the book. Oh, cool. And you know, and then, of course, there's members of uh, Popular Woodworking uh, making an appearance on there, Chris and, and Megan, and a, a whole bunch of other people that we might recognize from you know, some of the other things that we check out. But it's it's really neat. I mean, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's totally free if you have an iPad, and only looks like it's only on the iPad. So maybe you're limited. But given the fact that we now have three versions of the iPad out there, chances are, <laughs> I think a lot of you might have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the good thing too is everything. If you go to where they have uh, the Woodwright Shop uh, programs online, if you go on your computer, you'll have no problem. But uh, I think everything they have there is Flash. So if you do yep. have an iPad or iPhone, Apple device, whatever, you're not going to be able to necessarily watch those. So having having them on a, a app like that is actually really darn cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, you can take it wherever you're going, and you can even take it into the shop with you and watch them. And um, so it's it, it's a lot of fun. I definitely, I, I would check it out. And I'm, I, like I said, I'm curious to find out if it's just your local station, like it's the shows that they carry, or if it's more or less, uh, you know this is the standard ones that they have on, on all the iPad apps, regardless of where you're at. Because if that's the situation, then maybe your local one might carry say rough cut or, uh, some of the, uh, the, the router shop shows or something like that. So yeah, that, I'm going to have to download that. I'm curious to see how they handle that or 
because I know like some of the apps were, I don't know, like HBO, for instance, you need to, to have cable and have an HBO account or actually an account that has HBO to authorize the ability to watch the content. So does this one ask you anything about where you are? I, you know, it's been so long since I've had it. I don't think it did. I think it was a matter of just simply you know, downloading it and going from there. And it, and if I remember, it was totally free. Nice. So. Okay. Well, that's something yeah. to definitely take a look at if you uh, have an iPad. Right. One, Sweet. two, no. or three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the three might be a little bit nicer with it. You, you'll get Roy and really amazing. That's what you need. You need Roy Underhill and glorious HD. There you go. All right. So the second thing I have up here, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. I just wanted to kind of point this out because I know that this is a rallying cry for a lot of people. And recently I saw on Popular Woodworking that um, it seems that Robert Lang has been really bobbling. It's been the one that's kind of been bringing a lot of this stuff forward and really following uh, along with this. And that's the whole table saw laws. Yeah. And it's according to this article, apparently um, – California is really considering a very stringent table saw law. And as they kind of point out, and I've heard this elsewhere, kind of as California goes, so does eventually the rest of the country falls uh, along with with the laws. And I guess for me, this is another one of those. And I'm going to one of my concerns with bringing this up is I don't want to. Obviously, we've talked about this enough times where we've beaten a dead horse even more dead than it already was. Yeah. But um, when it comes down to the table saw things, I, I really, people could be on either side of the fence on this and they are, some people are absolutely, it has to be safety, safety, safety. Uh, and then other people say it's personal accountability. But my big issue with this is regardless of which side of the fence you're sitting on, it, it, it comes down to once one sort of law gets passed like this, eventually you're going to see other ones start to pop up and it's going to really start uh, intruding onto the, this hobby of ours. And I have nothing against regulations. I think regulations are there for a reason. Um, I think sometimes they're a little too stringent, but that's beside the point. That's for a whole other podcast that we could maybe start. Uh, <laughs> but I really don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't. If we can do it without getting any feedback whatsoever from anyone ever, then I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's get into our little vacuum. But I don't want to. to I, that's not it. the kind of thing I want to talk about and have people yell at me for. Exactly. We, we definitely uh, <laughs> get enough of episode that. Episode three. <laughs> right. But uh, but anyways, though, so if you're interested in finding out more about this, definitely uh, check out the link because there are a lot of the strong opinions and there's a lot of ignorant opinions also as far as I'm concerned yeah, you on know, you uh, can, some of these things. You can never get away from from it sort of diverging and, and going into the classic saw stop, you know, don't – well, the, the back and forth, the people who are like, what's the big concern? You know, you, you yep. didn't complain about seatbelts or – the other people who are like, you know, don't, don't, don't tread on me, you know, yes, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. that type of personality. And it's fine. I mean, there's room for both, uh, both sides of, of the, uh, argument there, but I put up a post on the website uh, tangential to this. I didn't really want to get into that. I wanted to say, well, look, this is kind of happening, you know, whether or not we agree with it is, is a whole nother issue that everyone likes to talk about, but let's talk about how you might survive without your table saw. What would you do as a substitute? What what tools would you use for this particular task? And unfortunately, within, you know, three or four comments, it goes back into the same old argument and everyone, you know, kind of just expresses their opinion about the government regulation. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. it's still at this point, frankly, I just can't wait for this, whatever's happening for it to be behind us. If you're, if you're for it, awesome. If you're against it, make sure you're writing your 
local representatives so that people understand your opinion and, and whether or not that does anything, I don't know, but it, you certainly have to express your opinion if you expect something to change or in this case, not change. Um, exactly. But if you're for it, you know, write, write letters too. You know, I mean, bottom line is we'll just have to see how this all shakes out. Exactly. The best thing you can do is educate yourself, no matter how what side of the fence you're sitting on. Educate yourself to find out what's going on or why it's happening and all that stuff. And yeah, it's, but leave your comments. We don't want them. I mean, like, leave the comments to yourself. <laughs> yeah, keep the comments to yourself because uh, what, what can be said at this point that hasn't already been said? So Exactly. Yep. All right. Yeah, so let's. And move we're already on. good at beating a dead horse, anyways. That poor horse is so beyond beaten. We are <laughs> on, uh, we're on Wood Talk Online episode 93. There has been enough horse beating for 93 episodes uh, of various topics. We certainly don't need to beat that one anymore. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the listener questions. Um, I guess we can alternate these if you want to just start with the first one. Okay. Now this one, uh, we're going to read this one question from Ryan, but uh, earlier today we also received a uh, another question from Shane and essentially both Ryan and Shane are asking the same question. So I'm going to go ahead and just read Ryan's and it will, Shane, if you're listening, um, you're 21 and you are in Missouri, I believe it is, or are, yeah, Missouri. Uh, so this is for you also. So, uh, hey guys, got a question for y'all. I'm graduating from college in a few months, getting married and moving. My desire to create unique wedding gifts sparked a desire to get into woodworking. Uh, let's see here. You can thank Mark's cutting boards of which he makes thousands for that. Oh, good for you. I make thousands for my cutting boards. I, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe thousands of cutting boards anyways. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, and like I charge 40 building... bucks. <laughs> yeah. Why, why are you podcasting if you're making thousands off Seriously, <laughs> off a cutting board? No less. Jeez. Uh, and I've been building little things for the past few months until now I've been using tools for my granddad's shed, but he is always more into home repair and things, not woodworking. So, while I've definitely benefited from his orbital sander, wraps, chisels, drill, and clamps, there's a lot to be desired. Uh, I'm moving in about three months, and when I do, uh, the only tools in my possession would be a block plane, some sandpaper, a container of glue, and a pair of gloves. And so uh, essentially we can go on a little bit more with this, but the main question from both Ryan and Shane is what are the bare necessity tools for basic woodworking? And, you know, speaking of beating a dead horse, this is actually one of those topics, but I think this is a timely topic because like a lot of things, our opinions kind of change on this. And so I think we can give them a fresh opinion based on, you know, where we are right now with it. So Mark, let me ask you, since I read the question, <laughs> yeah, this is... what are your bare necessity tools? Um, I feel like I should be singing a song from Jungle Book at this point. <laughs> um, this is this is a tough one because primarily because I didn't think about it ahead of time, and uh, secondarily because I think the more I get into woodworking, the more difficult I find questions like this to answer. Um, because you just start to discover that there are so many ways to get things done. Um, you know, if you, uh, want to go into the power tool world, how many ways are there to cut something, yep. you know, and you could really, uh, really use a circular saw to do a lot of different things. You can use a jigsaw to do a lot of different things, a bandsaw, table saw. I mean, the list goes on, uh, you know, hand tools. I think it's a little bit more simplified, but, um, you want to buy a saw. Okay. What type of saw? cross cut, rip cut, you know, do you want one that's uh, wide enough to do big tenons? Do you need a panel saw? I mean, so even in hand tools, it can get pretty intimidating. So when you're at that very first step, I think the best thing you can do for yourself, and this might be a cop-out answer, 
It probably is. But the best <laughs> thing that you could do for yourself is watch videos, research, read the magazines, read the books, maybe not even buy anything just yet because you need to see what other people do to build projects that will answer questions. You know, if you start to see that pretty much everybody, you know, uses a jointer, you know, to mill wood and then they use a planer, you might start to think, well, maybe that jointer and planer would come in handy. I mean, for me, when I started woodworking, I pretty much did exactly that. But at the time we didn't have, God, I feel like an old person here, but like, oh, back, <laughs> back in, in my day, day, we had water wheels. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where's my grape soda? Um, so, you know, I would look at like a new Yankee workshop and I would watch woodworks and, and I would watch the tools that they use. I remember one of the highlights of my early woodworking career was when, uh, I wound up getting the DeWalt DW621 router because David Marks had the same one. Yeah. You know, so yep. that, so I would watch what these people did and I would find the people who built the projects I like and woodworked in the style that I liked and I would emulate what they did. Now, obviously you need to draw the line somewhere because you're not about to go get, uh, Norm's, what is it? His 30 inch wide belt sander. You know, you you try to explain that one to your, uh, your newlywed bride. (laughs) Yeah. You got to rein it in a little bit. You may not necessarily want to jump out and go buy a domino. Um, but you can still get a perspective for the basic tool set. And the, here's the, here's the difference. Instead of just having a couple shows on TV to watch well-sponsored shows, you now have, you know, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of blogs and, you know, a, a good dozen or more quality podcasts that you could look at. You've got magazines out there that can give you advice. All of these things will expose you to the craft of woodworking in general, so that at the very least, you now know a little bit more specifically what questions to ask. So instead of just saying, what tool set do I need? You could say, I'm kind of interested in arts and crafts furniture, and I really, I think I want to go the, the hand tool route. What kind of tools do you think I might need to accomplish the mortise and tenon joint? that I would need to include in, in this sort of a mission style that I want to work in. Um, so you can really refine the question you're asking and possibly answer the question for yourself. So that's, that's kind of my big picture cop out answer. I don't really want to start throwing out just tools that I would recommend without sitting here and thinking about it a little bit more. Um, Cause I think, it, you know, I don't want to send somebody out to the store buying a bunch of stuff they're not going to necessarily need. Um, right. But with that said, hopefully you actually do have a little bit more of a concrete, list of things and uh, i'll just throw in my two cents as you you talk about yours okay well I, to be honest with you uh i i did respond to ryan earlier and your cop-out answer almost mirrors mine which is so damn scary <laughs> look at that it comes down to it <laughs> but really my answer was you know he already kind of has he's he listed off the ones that he, he has from his grandfather or that he has access to you know the orbital sander rasp chisels drill and clamps i mean those are some nice ones if you are inheriting those, all that much better. Uh, if you really, maybe like Shane, what it sounds like from Shane, uh, you you have this empty shop and you want to start putting them together, even those ones I might not you know recommend right away. So my my stripped down one uh, for for Shane also is uh, I like the idea of the small circular saw. In fact, I, I ended up telling Ryan I think. Just like you mentioned, you can do a lot with the circular saw. You can create jigs where you can have the same exact capability of making cuts and joinery like you would with a table saw. It's just a matter of taking those few extra minutes to kind of get that jig set up here and there for whatever it is that you're going to do. So uh, I I said, you know, the the circular saw is a really good way to go. Well, isn't that, Uh, I mean, just as an aside, isn't that really 
what a lot of this is about. If the whole necessity being the mother of invention kind of thing, if you only have a couple of tools, you can see some amazing things that people do when they're really exploring the options and whether it's making a set of jigs or fixtures that work with that tool. If you really exhaust all of the things that you could possibly do with that tool, um, you know, you can really get a lot out of it without having to buy a huge set of tools. So the circular saw is a great example. Um, yep. You can make a little track for it so that uh, you can almost mimic what the, the Festool track saw does by building a little bit of a, a guide for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of different things that you can do to, to really get the most out of it. Right. That, that was exactly what I was thinking when I when I was kind of mentioning that. Yeah. So, again, man, it's really scary that we think this <laughs> way sometimes. Um, I, I like the I, one thing I did mention, and I, I, I was trying to suggest this. And I hope this came across in the email, Ryan, when, when you receive it. Cause you're, I'm hoping you're listening to this. I had mentioned that, you know, eventually maybe you might want to add a router. And to me, a router is another one of those tools that people tend to kind of jump the gun and go, I've got to have one right now. It's one of the first tools I have to have. To me, a router is a nice-to-have tool when you're just getting started out, but it's not an essential tool. So if you hmm. if you could have like a little extra one, you know, a little extra money where you're like, well, I could buy it, you know, this tool, I could buy a really crappy table saw. Let's use that example yeah. or a decent router. I would always go with the decent router versus the crappy table saw just because you want a table saw. Right. I'm going to have a slightly different opinion. How do you like this? I, I make you answer the question legitimately and then I come back and just crap on it. I like um, well, let's let's do it, man. We need to have this. Throw <laughs> I like <down>. this. <laughs> now, I, I think um, I would put the router really high on the list and, and only because it's just so damn versatile. You know, mm-hmm. when, when it comes to because there's 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 tools that cut stuff down, take big parts and make them in the smaller parts. That's, you know, can be accomplished with things like your jigsaw, the circular saw, table saw. Um, but then there are things that enable you to do joinery. Now, of course, table saw can do that as well. Um, but the router in terms of what it can do just in joinery alone is huge, you know, from plowing dados to rabbits to mortise and tenon joints. Um, there's just so many things that you can do with it. And then on top of that, you could do any profile you can think of. Um, you can even do some jointing operations with, uh, you know, if you have the right setup. So I I personally think that early on, I would put a, a router a little bit higher in my essentials list. Yeah, I'm I'm still gonna stick with it being something a little bit further down the road. I I see exactly what you're saying. Well, with, screw you, Matt. Because uh, what do you nobody, think? Nobody. It doesn't work that way. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the, the the joy of this is I mean these people who are just starting out need to to hear these different opinions and justifications for them and decide what's right for them. Exactly. But you know, seriously though, I think the, the router. The one thing that you you did mention that I will I can't argue with you on is the limitless profiles essentially you can get. But when it comes to some of the more basic ones, such as like doing a rabbit or something like that, there are other ways around it or even like doing a a simple round over, you know, you, you could uh, do that with a block plane if you have it, or even just a, uh, a sandpaper and a block of wood and you could come back and do it that way. So there, there are ways around it. So other than the profiles, Again, router is going to be in the, um, uh, the the further on down the road for me. So I don't cool. care what you say. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine, Matt. Let's move on. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, so I think that's uh, other than we'll see where we with the, uh, the, the circular saw and stuff like uh, an orbital sander. I'm eh, not so much that one. I think you could learn how to hand sand. An orbital sander is a nice one to have, um, but I, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. One thing when it comes to like chisels, 
I'm going to recommend that a lot of people make the mistake of going out and buying just like with router bits. If you do have your router buying the hundred profile router bits, um, a lot of people tend to buy full sets of chisels and I say, just get one or two good ones, Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and add it that way. Um, really we should probably come up with a nice list for this, but <laughs> you mean we should do some preparation for the show? What are you crazy? Yeah, you know, if you're listening, write these things down and just follow along. <laughs> write these down, make your own, make your own damn list. Um, right. What about uh, how do you think a jigsaw fits into the picture? Uh, to me, a jigsaw. I don't use a jigsaw that often. I really don't use it nearly as much as I, I probably could use it. I tend to go to my bandsaw, but even then, um, I don't know. To, to me, I think a jigsaw is. I still put that in the in the realm of the router. It, it's nice to have, but it's not high on my essential list. Yeah, yeah, okay. That makes sense. I, I actually see uh, just having the choice of a bunch of different ways to do things. I tend to actually wind up using the jigsaw quite a bit, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. I, I use it for rough cutting, and if I'm cutting big boards, I far... Uh, much, much more appreciate using a tool at the wood instead of bringing the wood to the tool. So if I'm using like a big eight foot board, um, I would much prefer to take out the jigsaw and chomp it down into the parts as opposed to taking this big board to the miter saw uh, or right. table saw or something. While it's still in this large sort of unstable state, the jigsaw has no problem riding over an uneven surface and, and chopping it. So I use it a lot for that. And I don't really use it for curves like you. I, I use the bandsaw mostly for that. But if I didn't have a bandsaw, I probably right. could rely on that that jigsaw to do a lot of the curve work. So if, when you compare the price of even the most basic entry level bandsaw and compare that to what you can get a you know relatively decent jigsaw for, um, it might be, you know if you're thinking about curves, you might think about using the the jigsaw as a good less expensive substitute before jumping into that bandsaw arena. Right. You know, and one thing I, I'm noticing is that as I'm reading through this for both Shane and Ryan, um, they really didn't say, I don't, at least I don't, I'm not reading it this way, whether they're looking both hand and power or just power. Because yeah. one thing like with curves, you could get a coping saw, which you could get a relatively inexpensive one to get started and, and use that. Because that was one thing early on, even though I was more power tool, a lot of times I still ended up using my coping saw to mm -hmm. uh create my initial curves and stuff like that and then come back in with sandpaper and, and kind of clean those up. Because I, if I remember right with Ryan, I also mentioned, you know, Hey, there's nothing wrong with like maybe getting a, an inexpensive crosscut saw, like say a, one of those miter boxes that you see with just the, like the plastic body kind of a thing, right. because it, it's one of those things that you could easily use that to kind of get your initial cuts. Or again, maybe a jig for your circular saw, because Again, you know, a, a circular saw and some nice jigs will pretty much take care of a lot of the stuff you need. Um, this is one of those questions, I think, uh, and again, it's a perennial question. We could have people respond to this and maybe let us know what they think. And we could, you know, answer Ryan's question on another episode or or even, you know, pass it along to him because it, it varies every single year. I bet you if you listen to our previous shows where this question came up, we probably have so many different answers along the way. <laughs> yeah, it is something that evolves. You know, your opinion of these things evolves. And as you as a woodworker evolve, you might value things differently one year than you do another year, just depending on where your interests go and, and what you want to do with your woodworking. Right. And Ryan, I'd just like to point out that thanks to you and Shane, Mark and I had our first major fight. We're going to we're going to make up with this, though, with some grape sodas. Right after that yeah, a couple of grape sodas. We'll, we'll work it out. Um, all right. I'm going to read one of your questions that you have here. Not that big, long one. I'm going to go to number two about the Stanley plane. Is that OK? okay. Can I read that? Yeah, no, go for it. Doug's question. 
Um, I haven't read this yet, so I'm reading it for the first time. He says, I was cleaning up a Stanley smoothing plane the other day and remembered Shannon talking about keeping an oiled rag to wipe his tools down occasionally. I'm curious about a safe way to store the rags or do you not have to worry about the oil? Also, is there a better type of oil than the -the run-of-the-mill three-in-one oil? Thanks, guys. Enjoying the journey, Doug. Um, So what do you you say about this? I'll let you uh, tackle this one. Okay, well, I think the oil that Doug was talking about when he was referring to Shannon is more than likely it's something along the lines of jojoba oil. I'm probably once again slaughtering that, but I believe that's the way you pronounce it. It's a kind of a a waxy um, pressed nut oil, if I remember right. Right. And this is something that I know um, Chris Schwartz has used. uh, Denub from uh, Lee Nielsen recommends. In fact, Lee Nielsen actually sells Mm -hmm. a spray bottle of this. I happen to have some, and I do periodically use it when I remember to actually grab it and and spray it on my tools, and and it has helped out. Um, The nice thing with the jojoba oil is that unlike, say, um, Gee, some of the other oils, like you know, any of the the oils that you would use for finishing, uh, you don't have to worry about it catching on fire. It doesn't right. have a very high flash point. In fact, I I don't know what it is, but I've got a really uh, wadded up rag sitting on my bench right now in some wood shavings. It's been there for about two weeks now, and I have yet to have so much as even a slight spark come from it or anything. So I think that's proven that it's pretty darn safe. Uh, compared to the other ones. How about, uh, how do you pronounce that? Camellia oil? Is that, okay. am, I, am I pronouncing yep. that correctly? Yeah, that, yeah, that's how I would pronounce it. So I don't know if that's correct, but yeah. Um, that's one I see people refer to a lot. And I've also heard folks mentioning mineral oil. Okay, that's, the, the mineral oil is new to me. I haven't heard that one, but I mean, I could see you using that. Yeah, but I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, it doesn't, uh, it, like these other oils, it's, it's not necessarily going to uh, explode or, or catch <laughs> catch fire. Um, right. It's, you know, doesn't cure in, in that sense. It just kind of stays on the surface. I don't know if there's any specific reason why you would not want to use it, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I haven't used these these other oils. I mean, I'm fortunate to be in an environment where I don't have to worry about rust too much, so it doesn't even really come up. I just put like a little bit of wax, furniture wax, on my tools, and and they're they're pretty much good to go. Okay. Um, so yeah, if anyone knows why you couldn't use mineral oil, let us know. But uh, but jojoba and the camellia oil are for the most part what I hear most uh, hand tool users uh, promoting. Right, definitely, yeah. Because if I remember, the majority of these have like some sort of uh, wax in them, which makes it just that much better. Because again, you're getting kind of a protective layer. Uh, I, a lot of people have mentioned using, say, like T9 or something. Uh, I oh, haven't yeah. used that on my, say, my saws because that's typically where I would think about. After I've made a few cuts, you get some scratches on there. You apply this; it helps to seal it so that the rust can't get into it. Same with the bottom of my my hand planes. Yeah, that uh, stuff is. I mean, it's good in terms of rust prevention, but it's so sticky. Yes. So, I mean, if you're going to use that, you're still going to have to put something else on that surface just to make it ride across, you know, a board properly. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. That's 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 definitely like if I'm storing my stuff for a long time, I might give them a good bath uh, in, in T9. And then when I'm ready to use the stuff again, I would clean it off with some mineral spirits and start over with wax or uh, one of these oils. So. Right. That's when you want to spend a lot of time with your tools. That's it. Yep. All right. So, and then one more thing with that is uh, paste wax. I've heard a lot of people use that, but at the same time, I've also heard people say, don't use the paste wax because it has silica in it and it's going to do this and it's going to do that. And I don't know. I haven't really paid that much close attention to it because I've always just used like the jojoba or the 
whatever the one in the yellow bottle is. I guess it also depends on which stage of the the process you're in. Like he was specifically was asking about a smoothing plane. So um, maybe that's a good thing to bring up because if you're using it on your smoother, that's the last step, you know? So if you do have something that has impurities or something that's going to create problems for your finish, the smoothing plane is probably not the place that you want to use that, you know? <laughs> I mean, really any, yeah. any wax for that matter uh, could very well leave some sort of residue on the surface that could be a problem. So uh, maybe if it's more your rough milling tools and your chisels and stuff like that, that are earlier, you know, in the process, maybe those are the ones that you, you would want to not really worry too much about uh, finishing contamination. Well, you know, that's one thing, though, that with uh, a lot of them and um, oh, my gosh, we might go into argument number two um, or, or disagreement number two. That's what we'll call it, because I use you know wax all the time on the bottom of my planes to, to help, you know, speed them along. I mean, I, maybe, I guess there's a difference between applying a little zigzag down it to help, you know, make it go across the surface just that much easier versus putting a, a thick layer on to protect it. Maybe. Maybe that's where the, the difference would lie. But sure. I've heard that before where some people are, you know, why would you use, you know, a, a wax on the bottom of your plane? Because it's going to affect your your finish. But, if you know, to some degree, if you think about it, when it's going, you're actually removing the layer as, you, as you're going across it. I, I don't yeah, know. Well, I've, to, I've never really bought too much into that. that well, it, to it be honest, I, I was being devil's advocate. I actually also waxed the bottom of my, <laughs> my smoothing plane, and I don't have never really had much of a problem. Now, to, to tell you the truth, I very rarely take a, you know, my final pass with a smoothing plane and call it done. Um, right. All my surfaces wind up getting sanded to some extent. So uh, if there was some sort of impurity there, there's a good chance that the sander is going to pick it up and, and, you know, knock it off the surface. Okay. Um, so I've never really had any major problems with that either. I'm just say, saying conventional conventional wisdom might dictate that that smoother plane might not be the tool that you would want to put something on if you're worried about those impurities. Gotcha. I so, see where you're coming with not this. A, not right. an actual, not an actual disagreement there, Matt. That um, doesn't count. Right. So uh, you want to take the next one? Yeah, let's do the next one. And this one we will have a disagreement because I am going to totally disagree with you. <laughs> Whatever I say, just pl please disagree with me. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to throw it out there right now. But okay, so question number three, and this comes from Bruce Whitbart, and Bruce is asking, do you have any suggestions for finishing a walnut and maple chessboard? I'm looking for a fairly glossy finish, and I'm not sure how to handle the open grain without too much buildup on the maple. Hmm. Thanks for your help. Hmm. Well, Bruce, I think I, I responded to Bruce, if I'm not mistaken. Well, let's see, maple and walnut. So he's kind of concerned about the open grain and the walnut. Um, you know, it's really fine grain, so it doesn't take a whole lot of finish. You know, if you're if you're putting on a few decent thick layers. Um, to fill up that walnut. But if, if he is going for something with a gloss, it's probably best to do some sort of a pour fill, grain fill uh, on that. And he says he doesn't want too much of a buildup. So I think a pour filler is going to be the way to go. Um, and I believe what I recommended to him, see, there's a lot of different pour filling products out there. One of them that I really like is Timbermates wood fillers. And, and part of the reason is it's water-based and you can keep the stuff around forever. If it dries, you just put a little water on it and it reactivates it. So there's no real like harsh solvent to deal with. Okay. Um, and they come in a lot of different colors. You can get a natural color and tint it if you need to. Um, what I would probably do in a case like that is I would just... Um, get the surface nice and sanded down. I would go grab some of the walnut colored filler unless he wants the pores to stand out. Um, and this guy, I'm, I'm assuming he just wants them to blend in. I would just get the walnut pore filler, dilute it out a little bit so I could spread it on the surface. And then I would actually try to get them into the walnut squares with a putty knife. 
uh, and just kind of isolate it to the walnut squares. Of course, you're not going to be perfect, so it's going to get onto the maple. Jeez, I'm like burping as we're talking here. It's terrible. I can't, wow, I, that's scary because actually I had to turn away from the mic and burp at the same time. I can't get a full sentence out here. Um, but the thing is, some of it will get on the maple, and that's just unavoidable. But you can get that out with the sanding step. So after you put enough material, you make sure the pores are filled, you can come back and maybe with 120 grit or something, sand the excess filler off. That'll clean it off of the maple too because the maple is closed poured. It's not going to pull any of that uh, any of that. Uh, Timbermate wood filler stuff into it itself because it's, you know, tightly, uh, tight, tight grain on the surface there. Okay. So, you know, as long as he gets it into, packs it into the pores and into the grain, he could sand it down with a random orbit sander, 120, bring it back up to 180, and then he should be good to go. He might need to do a second fill, just sometimes depending on how thick you apply it and how aggressively you sand, you might pull some of the filler out of the pores, but Typically, one step is kind of all it takes. And at that point, he could just proceed treating the, the surface like it was any other surface uh, with the pores filled. And then he could add two or three coats, however many he wants to get the, the finish that he's looking for. Very nice. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, so you, you had said in, in the steps that you probably would, you know, do like the individual walnut and, and like put the putty on the, in the little individual pieces of walnut kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Would it, Since the maple is more or less kind of a closed grain. Would it really make a difference if you went mat lazy and just like swiped across <laughs> the whole entire thing? You know, if, if then, there's, if there's any possibility of staining, you know, and that's why I'm counting on being able to sand it back to, to bare wood so that even if it did stain a little bit, you're going to get through that. Um, but if there is a little bit of staining and you are thinking you might be a little bit too lazy to sand back as much as you should, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with it. And it might even be beneficial to cover it all because then you're uniformly coating the surface with whatever potential coloring agent might be seeping into the grain. So if you do my method and you only, you know, you get a little spot here and there and it does stain it, you're going to definitely have to sand enough to get those stains out because you'll be able to see them. If you cover the whole surface and everything is evenly coated and you do a lazy sanding, you actually might be able to get away with it because it's uniformly colored at that point. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so you can certainly get away with it and not only can you get away with it, but it actually might help you if you're uh, moving a little too quickly and you just don't want to sand down far enough to remove stains. That's exactly the probably the, where I would end up going. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's just make the whole thing out of walnut and we'll draw little lines on where, yeah, the, yeah. where the squares are. Well, you know what? And just to to clarify too, there's other other techniques that are a little bit more involved. You can put a coat of shellac down, for instance, to seal the surface. And then you could do the pore fill okay. uh, so that once you scrape away the excess and use, you know, like a squeegee or a, the old credit card or something uh, to scrape off the excess across the grain, uh, you're not really going to touch the color at all because you've got a sealer on the surface already. So the maple uh, won't be affected at all. You're just basically packing the stuff down into the pores. And once you scrape it all off, you know, you're left with a pretty clean surface at that point. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different variations you can do, but I'm trying to give them the simplest method possible using the least amount of materials. Oh, you're so thoughtful that way. Yeah, it's just how I roll, man. That is very, very <laughs> nice. All right. So in that case, you know, we want to... Uh, Do we have a Tom's Tips this week? Oh, we do. Thank you for reminding me. And here it is right now. Tom's Tips. That's right. I said Tom's Tips. I didn't say Tom's Lips. I said Tom's Tips. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's Tips. You are one sharp customer. Too bad that awesomely honed chisel is starting to drag halfway through your project. 
Do you need to break out the entire sharpening kit in the middle of things? Nope. Just keep a fine grit stone, sandpaper, or leather strap charged with honing compound nearby. A few quick passes over the fine medium and you'll be back in business. It's the same kind of thing a chef does with a knife just before slicing and dicing. A quick hone and they're back at work. Are you looking for a good time mm -hmm. that involves woodworking? Mm -hmm. Hey, oh, yeah. who isn't? You can connect with woodworkers from around the corner or around the world at the Wood Talk Online community. Just visit woodtalkonline.com and let the fun begin. All right, that's Tom's tip from Tom Ivino. Tom'sworkbench.com is where you could find all of his great posts. Guys, he's, he's just a posting maniac every day. He is. It's amazing. I, I'm at the point now that I had to unsubscribe because I just can't keep up with him. He's filling up the RSS feeder. Come on, knock it off, Tom. Exactly. I'm like, Tom, <laughs> seriously, I got enough of you when we shared a room. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> that's so wrong. Oh, but I will boy. say that sh Tom is a sh one sharp tool. That's for sure. I mean, oh, wait, no, that came out wrong, too. <laughs> da -da -da. I need my, my instant rim shot sound effect. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Tom's tip. And uh, were, you, were you actually able to hear that, Matt? I know I didn't play it for you ahead of time. Yeah, I, I was. I, okay. I was going to say something after the show about Mark. I don't know what you did, but I can actually listen to everything now. What, what is going on with the setup? I don't know. <laughs> oh, but anyways, um, yeah. So sharpening quickly with uh, high high grit compound or something on hand. Well, that's. The, I mean, that's a good point because if you really sharpen properly and you get a nice edge or a secondary bevel on a tool, sharpening really only takes long the first time you do it. The maintenance stuff, there's no reason why you can't have tip-top, you know, perfectly sharpened tools all the time if mm -hmm. you've sharpened it right initially because the touch-up work is just a piece of cake. It's a couple of uh, strokes on a stone and boom, you're done. Yeah, and I struggled with that for the longest time because I always remember thinking uh, over and over that like, oh, you have to start at the beginning because this is yeah. the way that you sharpen your tools. You start at the beginning and you go through all the, you know, your way up through there. Yeah. And then that first time when you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I only have to spend how many strokes getting this back together the right way? Yep, wow. Exactly. Yeah. So good tip there, Tom. Thank you very much. And go see Tom's stuff at tomsworkbench.com. All right. Do we have anything else? Is that pretty much do it for us. That was pretty much, you know, the, the only thing I have, and I'm just kind of curious about this, um, a question actually came in, uh, over on my show and it was about woodworking events. Like the main question huh. was, where do you hear about woodworking events? And I know I've, I've heard this from a few other people and I think that it might even be in the forums. There are events that seem to be popping up and it always seems like we all want to be kind of be in the loop on it. Like you'll hear about a really cool show that's going to be happening on the other side of the country or uh, one that may be traveling your direction. So my question to you, Mark, is where do you hear about like woodworking events? Is it just the fact that we're blessed as podcasters and we get all the, the tidbits first and I, um, or do you hear, I listen to wood talk online. That's how that's, I, that's how I hear my stuff too. <laughs> that's where I get all my information. <laughs> uh, you know what? If you're on the sort of woodworking circles and uh, no pun intended, Google plus and uh, Twitter and Facebook, and you're sort of just involved in that social media community, it's very difficult to not find out about woodworking shows. Right. Just because at some point someone mentioned something, if you listen to Wood Talk online, we talk about them here. There's a few, you know, there's a major woodworking show that travels around the country. Uh, and I believe their website, is it The Woodworking? <laughs> Here we go with the word the again. <laughs> Thewoodworkingshows.com, I think. I, I think. I think you're right. In fact, let me, let me try to get to that yeah, real I'm quick. Yeah, I'm looking I, myself. Uh, yeah, Thewoodworkingshows.com. 
And that's the one that travels the country. You should be able to find something pretty darn close to you no matter where you live. There's probably mm-hmm. a few outlying places, uh, outliers that you can't uh, don't get the show. But uh, that's certainly one place. There is, uh, we talk about woodworking in America all the time. Now, that's a different type of show. That's, that's more of an educational show that happens to have the show floor where you could... Um, uh, the vendor floor where you could buy stuff. The woodworking right. shows is is more about the vendors, and there's also some education, but it's mostly like selling stuff. Right. Well, the same thing with like the Lee Nielsen hand tool events. Uh, again, they bring people along with them who will be more than happy to help you know inform you on how to use specific tools. Yeah. Uh, other than the Lee Nielsen ones, occasionally they'll they'll have people on there, and and depending on the size of the the venue, they may have uh, lecturers and stuff to go along with it. Right. But again, the the main purpose of getting you in the door is to potentially buy tools. Right. Yeah. And you've got also the other big tool shows, which are more industry. Uh, base shows that's AWFS in Vegas and IWF in Atlanta. Um, right. Those are massive and they're not necessarily the same sort of consumer friendly um, hobbyist type of show. It's more towards the industry, but you will see representation from, you know, the, the tool companies we, we know and love Powermatic, Delta, DeWalt, uh, Bosch, you know, all those big names are there. Festool is there. Um, so if you can get to those shows, those can be kind of fun too. Uh, but it kind of depends on whether you want the educational side or the vendor side, but ultimately, I, I think Tom had a survey about this or a poll up about this recently about have you purchased anything at a wood show? And I, I really think, although some people still do, the days of going to the the wood show to get a deal are just gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean that doesn't I, exist anymore, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think now it's if you go, the the deals are getting smaller and smaller, and chances are it's probably something that you could easily find on, find online, more than likely from the same exact person that's selling it to you yeah. in the in the, the show itself. Yeah, I mean, well, the the whole landscape online has created a situation where there just isn't much room to move on these things. Everybody's got things priced at the lowest price, or they have a sale, you know, that that puts it at the lowest price possible. Um, that you'd be hard pressed to find a better price at something uh, or for something at a show. So, yeah, uh, I think sad, the last but, time I was at the woodworking shows was in Detroit. It was a couple of years ago. Uh, Peachtree was actually there. They had like a not just a booth; it was like a giant row, you know. And so the same people that you could buy the stuff online for discounts. Again, you just go to the show, and now you're paying a show fee to get in to get the same discount. Right there, you go. So, so yeah, that's about it. And frankly, I mean, there may be other things. There's other. Um, uh, what the one that was just recently at the the New England Home Show that uh, Tommy mm-hmm. Mac runs over there? That's again a different thing. That is pretty much more to give opportunities to uh, pro woodworkers, right? To sort of showcase right. their their work and and it is a home show, so this is an effort to make you know your average homeowner more aware uh, of custom furniture and sort of uh, elevating that to an extent. So there's something like that out there as well. Um, but really there, there's only a handful of things, you know, there might be some other smaller, um, events that, that we might not even mention on this show, right. uh, you know, but there's really not that much. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah there. There's always, there's always some sort of like uh, a guild in your area, some sort of woodworking club. Oftentimes they might have a yearly event. I know myself, we have a, uh, a, a lumber uh, dealer, uh, a sawmill actually that, uh, they do a yearly, a yearly show that for an entire weekend, they'll have people come in like a, like a Scott Phillips or something. Mm-hmm. And they, they really promote that. But again, that's another one of those where they, 
the main reason they're having you come in is sure we're going to show you these these great lecturers but we're also going to sell you a hell of a lot of packages of lumber if you're interested right so you know that typically for me is like one of those things you just have to look around at where you're interested maybe purchasing some of your your items whether they're tools or supplies and chances are at some point if they're big enough they're going to have some sort of event going on but sweet all right well i think that just about does it for us okay that Um, sounds good yeah we'll be back in two weeks hopefully all three of us will be here but if not we will have a show for you nonetheless even if i have to come on here and talk to myself for an hour i will do it oh i am so deliberately gonna miss one just for that yeah that's not a promise that's a threat (laughs) you know we'll finally hear the voices out loud (laughs) exactly just all these conversations i have with myself I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that that's that's it for Wood Talk 94. Have a wonderful week, and we will uh, we'll catch you later. See ya. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.